Hey, thanks for joining us for this series called We Are, where we're talking all about the church. And it's important we get this right because so many people get it wrong. But we, when we understand the church God's way, it's a powerful difference and we're a part of the most powerful movement in history. We hope that this will be an encouragement to you as we continue our study in Acts. We hope that you'll continue to join us as we talk all about who we are in Christ. Before you go, don't forget to fill out your online connection card. You can do that at branchlife.church anytime and let us know that you uh, worship with us in this video. We'd also like to encourage you to check out the other episodes on our website or on our YouTube channel. And again, you can check in anytime with that connection card. Thanks again for joining us. We hope that this will be a powerful moment in your spiritual journey. Acts chapter 2, if you have not yet received a journal, uh, our way of welcoming you to Branch is just giving you one of these available down at the Connection Center. And then you can follow along as we go through this series uh, throughout this next year, the series of series that will take us through the entire book of Acts. I'm excited to jump into this this morning and to kind of give you a better, uh, I'm not really sure how this happens. Man, this, is, they just don't, they don't build things like they used to, right? Am I, am I right about that? Like, like why, why would I use a thing that comes off? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, somebody put that together. The latch is down. I don't understand what's happening here. You know what? I'm going to get rid of this one. Obviously not built to last. And I'm going to grab this one that has been around, I think, for 100 years, right? Like, we got gifted uh, this campus during covid and our, our family from Pewtown, this was inherited in that. Like, this, this is, I, I, it's a stunt. I don't need it. It was all made up. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm making a point. Yeah. Todd, come, Todd Father, comes through with it. Yeah. I, I, I like using things that are built to last, right? You too, right? Like, that's just kind of how we... We want to use stuff and built to last what comes to mind, Ford Tough, right? Like we, maybe every, every Toyota person just went, I don't know what you're talking about, right? Uh, we, we, we're talking about who we are in Christ, okay? And so if Christ has saved you, if he has redeemed you, if you have become a follower of Jesus, that is something that's supposed to mean a new life, a transformed life an abundant life or a life that's built to last. What if the first time something goes wrong in your Christian faith, you fell apart? And you just threw your Christian faith to the side and say, hey, this isn't working for me. Maybe in your teenage years, it was hard for you to like connect with God or it's hard with you to connect from God. And you might be saying as a teenager, I just don't, I don't feel like anything about God. Like, I read my Bible sometimes, and I pray sometimes, but I don't, I don't know. Or, or maybe, maybe you're questioning your faith. Maybe, maybe you're, like, asking yourself, I don't know what I believe or, or why I believe it and where I'm, I'm supposed to take it. How, how can I build a faith that stands up to questions? Maybe you're going through a really difficult patch in life. Maybe you're in the middle of the storm. Maybe your marriage is hanging on by an ed, a thread, right? And you're in this storm, and you're going, Where's my, where's my hope? Where, where's this joy that they keep talking about that comes from faith in Jesus? Where's, where's the, uh, the, the light at the end of the tunnel? How come God has not stepped in and just 
totally fix this problem. Maybe, maybe you're a, a man that's just full of anxiety. Maybe you're a, a gal that's just full of anger. And, and you've said to yourself, this is not supposed to be how my life is to be built. I want it to be built to last. I don't want it to keep falling apart. I want a faith that lasts. We started on a church planting journey in 2019. We launched Branch Life Church. You know, the game plan for this whole church planting thing is not to build a church that fails, right? We want to build a church that lasts. We want to be a part of something that's, that's going to have impact, that's going to have strength, that's going to have longevity, that's going to make a difference. It's not going to fall apart the first time it's challenged or when things get hard or there's a downturn in the economy. We, we want to be a, a church that's built to last. You want to have a faith that's built to last. And this thing called the church didn't start in 2019 with us. This thing called the church has been happening since Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. This is the birth of the church. This is when it gets started. This is when it, it begins to snowball down the hill. And it's small and it's tiny and it's little in Acts chapter 2. There was 120 in the upper room who received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's 120 out of billions is not that much. And then 3,000 got saved. There were hundreds of thousands of people in that town that day, right? 3,000 people came to Christ, but they formed for the very first time the very first church. And the church began, and it launched. And what Jesus wanted is a church that's designed and built to last. As a matter of fact, today... The church, what Jesus designed as the church, is bigger and stronger and better than ever. There are millions and millions and millions of Christ followers in every country of the world, in every language of the world. Today and this very moment all across our country, people are gathering to praise the name of Jesus, to become better Jesus followers, to be light and life in our communities. The church is alive and well. And don't let anyone say that the church is dying. It is not dying. People are coming to Christ every day in every way. Here in America, I talked about it a couple weeks ago, over in South Korea, even in Iraq and Iran, there's, a, there's in, in China, the underground church is alive and well and thriving in Muslim countries, in, in, in uh, Spanish-speaking countries, in, in all these places around the world. The church, the light of God, is alive and well. Why? Because in Acts chapter 2, 42, they started building a church that would last. And a church that lasts has some marks and some obsessions. In other words, there are things that mark a church that's built to last. You're going to see these marks. There's, there's things that mark marriages that last, right? In a marriage that lasts, the husband and wife love each other self-sacrificially. That's a mark. That, that happens, a marriage that lasts. In a marriage that lasts, the husband and wife are really good at forgiveness. That, that's a mark. And so what is the marks of a church that lasts? We spent some time last week talking about this. 
And let me remind you of this very simple truth. It's not a church, and, and I start talking about church, and people are like, I'm out of here, right? People don't get too jazzed about church nowadays. Why? Because the church is severely misunderstood. The church is, is severely uh, uh, misrepresented. And people who have had experiences and misunderstood and misrepresented churches experience boredom. They experience apathy. They experience lifelessness. They even experience hurt. And because of that, many people have abandoned what they think is the church. And they've, they've said, I don't want any part of that. But the church, God's way, is alive and well. The church, God's way, is life-giving. The church, God's way, is not boring. It's exciting. The church, God's way, builds up and lifts up. It doesn't tear down, right? And so we want to be a part of the church. And if, if you want to be a part of a church that's built God's way, you understand that the church is not a building. A church is not a worship service. A church is not a religion. It's people. It's you and I. So these marks should not only mark the entire church, my prayer is that Branch Life Church is known by these marks because it's full of people who are known by these marks. When I'm talking about the church, if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm talking about you. You understand that difference? We're not talking about an institution. We're talking about individuals. Man, that's life-changing. And God is building individuals that last. When a church is full of people that have these marks and obsessions, that church is built to last and will have an impact for generations. So a church that lasts has four marks and four obsessions. Last week, we talked about the four marks. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time here because I'm going to just say to you, go watch last week online or on our YouTube channel. You subscribe. If you're watching online now, you can share that link and let other people know. What are the four marks? Well, we saw it in Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and 47. We're going to be parked in this paragraph for a couple of weeks. In Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and 47, the marks are, number one, they had glad and generous hearts. You're going to meet people in church that's done God's way who are glad and generous, not sad and selfish, right? And if you're walking around sad and selfish, you're not carrying the mark of the Spirit that God says should mark a church. The results of our obsession with Christ should end in glad hearts and generous spirits. That's a mark, right? We want to always have that mark. May God, may, may, may God, God, may we always be known as a glad and generous church, full of glad and generous people. When we worship together, it should bring joy to our spirit. When we see each other, it should bring joy. When we walk into a neighborhood, into an event, into a, we should be able to bring joy and light and life in that moment because you are the light of the world, right? Joy and gladness. Gladness and generosity. Two awesome things. Number two, the second mark is, is we praise God. We are for God. We can't stop talking about God. Why? Because he's amazing. Because he's life-giving. Because he's, he saved us, he created us, he made us, he indwelled us. Like, that's our God. And so we sing songs to praise our God. We are forever grateful to our God. So what's going to mark us as a church? When we gather together, guess what we're going to do? We're going to praise God. Amen? We're going to not be able to not say hallelujah. We're not going to be able to not say glory to God. We're not going to be able to stay quiet and sit still. We're going to jump and praise the Lord. We need a little bit of more life here this morning when we start talking about God. 
That's our mark. We praise Him. Praise Him in the storm. Praise Him in the valley. And they devoted themselves the to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Our third mark is we are marked by people. We are. Uh, I don't know what our third mark is. I lost my screen there. <laughs> our, our third mark is we have favor with all people. We have favor with all people. Doggone it, they should like us. Like, that's, that's the result of having a spirit-filled church and a spirit-filled life is that you should be favor, thought favorably by other people. They don't have to agree with you. They, they don't have to like believe the same thing you believe. But when you're life and light, when you're glad and generous, when you praise God, that needs to be something that they should know our generous spirits. Sometimes we are so dogmatic about being right that we can be jerks about it. That's not the mark of a of church built to last. Yeah, you're right, but you don't have to be a jerk. Be soft, be gentle, be understanding, be compassionate, and stand on truth. Be favorable. You have gained favor with the people around, with the people around you. And the, and the fourth mark is that they are multiplying, that we grow. See, we have glad and generous hearts. We're for God, we're for good, and we're for growth. The fruit that we bear should be so attractive that our lives should, should allow other people to come to Christ. So, if we want to be a church that lasts, are these marks true of us? Is this, if I'm, if I'm going to evaluate Branch Life Church, am I going to say, hey, this is true of us? If you move from this place or if you're on a journey trying to connect with a local body of Christ and you want to find a church, what are the things you ask about that church? Do you ask about their music? Do you ask about their style? Do you ask about their programs? Or do you ask, are they full of generous and glad people? Do they praise God? Do they have favor with the community around them? And are there more people coming to Christ? Those are the marks that matter. And so these, these marks, people coming day by day to Christ, hopefully, hopefully, by God's grace, that describes us. Now, here's my question. Does it describe you? Are these marks true of you? If you're a follower of Jesus, are these marks true of you? Can you be described in these same terms? Do you praise God? Can you not stop talking about your Jesus? Do, do you have favor with the people around you? Or are you constantly getting into fights? Are you, are you constantly tearing them down? Are, are, are people avoiding your presence? And are there people in your life who are coming to Jesus because of your light. At the reception for Chris and Kaylin yesterday, we celebrated their wedding. We got to give them a challenge. He said, Josh, give us a couple pieces of advice. So I had a 10-point outline about their marriage that I shared with them for about an hour and 35, two hours and 45 minutes or so. And man, if they do those 10 things, they got it made in the shade, Right? One of the things that we talked about and that we prayed about is that because of Chris and Kaylin's marriage, that their marriage would be so filled by the Spirit, that mar their marriage would be so marked by the joy of the Lord, that because they are now married, more people will know Jesus. Do you know that's the point of your marriage? That's the point of your family? That's the point of your job? 
That's the point of your sports. That's the point of your hobbies is so that you could shine so brightly that more people will come to know Jesus. So does this mark you? Are there people around you that are coming to Christ? How will Branch Life Church be a church where more people are added day by day? How will that happen? If you're a person who's inviting people to Jesus and living a life that's attractive to them. What if every person at Branch Life Church in three years reached one person? You know what would happen? We need to start a boatload of more churches. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like, I'm all in on that. How hard is that? Right? Every Three years. You got three years. Yeah? Just start praying for one person every day that God would lead you to, in some point in the next three years, and you get, like Kimberly, you get to baptize your roommate in college. You get to baptize your coworker. You get to baptize your teammate. You get to baptize your cousin. You get to baptize, like, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Let that be our mark. That's the church that God built in Acts 2.42. Now here's the question. You're like, I'm in, I'm in. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, and you're like, I don't know what that is, but I want that. Great, keep listening, right? Like, jump in, join us. It's gonna be fantastic when you give your life to Jesus. Maybe you've given your life to Jesus, and you're like, I don't, how do I get there? Like, that would be awesome. I want that. I want people to get saved. I want to have favorable uh, impressions and reputation. I want, I want joy and gladness. How, how do I get there? Well, they get the marks by what they're obsessed with. Does that make sense? What you're obsessed with, you're going to think about. What you're obsessed with, you're going to involve yourself in. What you're obsessed with, you're going to work on. You're going to spend time in it. I was so obsessed with the power of the rings, right? the new Lord of the Rings series that came out on Amazon Prime that's just been fantastic and amazing, and don't argue with me on this, that I watched it twice every week, once by myself and once with my family. I like to say I was a good dad previewing it so it wasn't too scary, but that's not true at all. I just wanted to see what happened, and I couldn't wait. (laughs) Like, obsessed. I spent time there. Some of us, this weekend, and rightfully so, are obsessed with Philly sports. Amen? Are we not having a great weekend, Philadelphia? Like, is this not incredible? Like, we're now red October. We've won the first series. Go Phillies. Like, unbelievable. Like, this is fantastic. I think we're going to go all the way. Like, world, world champions. It's going to happen again, and I'll see you guys at the parade from my house. I'm going to watch it on my TV. And then you guys have, it'll be awesome and amazing, right? And the Eagles are going to beat the Cowboys today. Like, that's going to be fantastic, Right? My father, as you, as you may know, born and raised in Philadelphia, Dallas Cowboys fan, that's a crime, and we need to crush his soul today. Like, that's, that's our goal, in what's ha- but gladly and generously, we want to make that happen. Like, that's, that's all we're, the Sixers are on a winning streak, like, you just can't, you just can't stop, you can't make this up. This is fantastic to be a Philly fan, uh, Philly, Philly sports fan. Some people are, obs- are obsessed, and then, it, and then their obsession marks them. We're talking over the next four weeks about the four things we have to be obsessed about to be a church that lasts, the four things you need to be obsessed about to be a a believer that lasts, and the four things that you can't not be obsessed about if you are filled by the Spirit. So in your Bibles, in your journals, look at, at page 18, Acts 2, verse 42, 
3,000 people came to Christ. The first church is formed. What did those 3,000 people do? Well, they, the 3,000 plus, devoted themselves. That's obsession. When you're devoted to your fillies, you're obsessed. When you're devoted to your wife, you're obsessed. When you're devoted to your class, you're obsessed, right? And you have this singular focus that I'm going all in. They are devoting themselves to these four things, obsessed with them. First, to the apostles' teaching. Second, to the fellowship. Third, to the breaking of bread. I know if you're not didn't raise in church, that's strange, breaking bread. We're going to talk about that in a second. And then prayer. If I was going to reword these four things, I would say the apostles' teaching, to sum that up, they were obsessed with truth. If they were to sum up fellowship, they were obsessed with being together. If, if we're going to sum up breaking of the bread, it's not just finding a loaf of bread and tearing it into pieces. Breaking of the bread is getting into God's presence. It can be hospitality. There's a couple of avenues where this breaking of the bread can go. Referring to communion, referring to community. So the presence of God, communion with God, communion with each other. And to prayer. They were obsessed with the power of God. The truth of God, being together, better together, the presence of God, and the power of God. That's what they were obsessed with. You want to ask yourself, why did, why, excuse me, what spirit empowered must do naturally are these four things. Once you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, you must do these things. You can't not. In other words, if you're walking in the Spirit, if you're, if you're experiencing the fullness of the Spirit, if the Spirit is indwelling you and empowering you, you're not quenching it, right? You're not, you're not dousing the flame. You're not, you're not making it sad, right? You're, you're walking in the power of the Spirit. Then you will be obsessed with the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking bread of prayer. You won't be able to get enough. This is a natural outline of walking in the Spirit. So if you hear me say, add these things to your to-do list and you will be a better Christian, you heard me wrong. This is not creating another to-do list. This is not a, a recipe that's going to produce a better life. These are obsessions that are driven by the Spirit that you must desire as a Spirit-filled person. To do these four things well means you've got to submit to the leading of the Spirit in your life. If you are not interested in these four things, it's not a to-do problem, it's a heart problem. And you want to reconnect your heart to the heart of God. When you are connected to the heart of God, this must be present ever in your life. So the first thing you're going to be devoted to as a follower of Jesus who's spiritually empowered is you're going to be devoted for the for truth. And this is what we're just talking about for the rest of the time this morning, being devoted to truth, the apostles' teaching. So in, in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, there were 3,000 new Christians, right? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Why? Right? Do you ever stop to ask yourself that question? Why would they all of a sudden, right, to get so obsessed that they would have to sit at the feet of Peter and Matthew and John, and they have to sit down and they would say to the apostles, apostles, please teach us. 
Whenever you read the Bible and you see a statement like this, I want to encourage you to ask the question, why? Ask yourself, why is this happening? What, what are, what's going through their mind? Put yourself in their shoes. And what if you just came to Christ, right? You, you heard the message, Jesus died for your sins, you're a sinner, he, he died on the cross for you, he rose again from the dead, he's the miracle worker, he's the fulfiller of prophecy, I'm giving my life to Jesus, I'm following Jesus, I'm now all in with my faith with Jesus, so what am I going to do now? You're going to devote yourself to the apostles' teaching. Because that's what happens when you're filled with the Spirit. You realize something super important, that you don't have the truth. You don't know the truth. That the truth is coming from outside of yourself. The first thing you have to know in order to become a follower of Jesus, the first part of the gospel, is that you are in trouble. You are a sinner. Like there's not good inside of you. That you are dead bones that needs life. When you realize that you are dead, right, and that you are a sinner and that your heart is broken, you then you have to look outside of yourself for the truth. So they looked out to the source of truth, which is Jesus. Jesus is truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is the truth. Who knew Jesus? The apostles. The apostles knew his words. The apostles knew his works. The apostles were eyewitnesses. They traveled with him for three years and they, they sat in the Jesus Institute where they got the Jesus lectures and the Jesus workshops and the Jesus teaching and the Jesus miracles. And they, they, they had this immersion in who Jesus was and now God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, was giving the apostles the mission of teaching the rest of us Jesus' work. Teaching them Jesus' truth and the hope of who Jesus was. The apostles are introducing us to Jesus. And Jesus teaches us that the word of God is essential for truth. You see, it's Jesus who verifies scripture. It's Jesus who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I believe the Old Testament, the prophets, the Old Testament teachings and scriptures. And then I, Jesus through my apostles, am giving you the New Testament. And so they committed themselves to the apostles' teaching, which we now have in book form called the Bible. God's words. And if these are God's words, I must, must have God's words to know truth. Here's a little quote about truth. Truth is not found inside you. Truth is not found around you. Truth is not found. Truth is given by Jesus. We do not have the ability to find truth on our own. We can't logic it. We can't reason it. We can't feel it. We can't experience it. It's something that must be given to us. Now here is the great myth that trips up a lot of people. That you can look within yourself to find truth. You cannot. So much advice that you're going to hear in our culture is for you to find your truth. Look inside of yourself so that you know what is true for you. You do you, boo, right? Like that's the advice that we get. And 
if someone is saying you need to know your truth, you need to know your reality, you need to, that's, what that is inferring is that there are lots of different truths, therefore there is no truth. And if there's lots of different truths, if every person can have their own truth that's true for them, but it might not be for true for you, there's no truth at all. No, there has to be one absolute truth giver, and it is not you. You, you cannot be the one who gives truth. Because your heart is desperately wicked. Turn with me to Jeremiah. And write this in your journal. This as a reference. Jeremiah chapter 17. In Jeremiah chapter 17. So kind of like a little bit past halfway in your Bibles. In Jeremiah chapter 17. We, we get a description of truth. In Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 7. It says this. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. Where is the trust placed? In the Lord. Let's, I'll ask it again. You say it out loud. Where is the trust placed? In the Lord. Where is, is it not placed? In yourself. In your culture. In your world. In your brain. In your heart. No, no, no. Blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is said twice, Right? He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes, for its leaves remain green. He is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Why? Because verse 9, his heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? How is your heart described? Your heart is described as the source of sickness. Your heart is described as the source of, of pain. Your heart is desperately wicked. It is evil. But the truth of the Lord, the truth of God, is like the spring that fills your soul and brings fruit even in and out of season. Don't trust yourself when it comes to finding truth. Trust God. 3,000 people knew that immediately. They could no longer trust themselves. On any of the major issues of life, they now had to trust something outside of themselves. What did they need to trust? Truth. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. You see, your fundamental problem is you. Your heart is sin-stained, broken, and dead. Your fundamental problem is you. Your heart is sin-stained, broken and dead. So what's your fundamental problem in your marriage? You are the problem in your marriage. What's the fundamental problem at your workplace? You are the problem at your workplace. What's the fundamental problem for you not feeling God's presence or not wanting to read the word of God? You, you are the problem. God says, hey, the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? But the good news is that God's word is the only way that dead hearts come to life. And when you know that, when you believe that, guess what you become obsessed with? God's word. Your marriage can't survive without it. Your business can't survive without it. Your teenage life can't survive without it. Your retirement years can't survive without it. You've got to become obsessed by it because it's the only way we get life. It's through the very words of God. So are you devoted to the word of God? 
Is that something you are passionate about? Is that something that you love? Is that something that you're all in with? If you're feeling distance from God, the first place I want you to go is to his word. Hear from him. See him. Understand him. Listen to him. It has everything you need for life. You see, if you're devoted to the word of God, the result will be glad, a glad and generous heart. I, I guarantee it. I guarantee it. I saw an f- old friend yesterday. Oh, man. I wasn't going to tell the story now. It makes me sad. And uh, when I lived in Coatesville, there's a family there named the Crans who just are shining the light of Jesus in Coatesville. Josh planted a church a little bit before I did, and his dad helped him. Now, I'm planting a church up here in Pottstown, and my dad's helping me, and it's kind of cool, right? So Mr. Kranz was there at the reception for Chris and Kaylin, and I said, Jack, how you doing, man? It's good to see you. He goes, I'm doing good. He goes, I, I'm not doing good. I have stage four prostate cancer. I didn't know. I said, Jack, how come I didn't know? He goes, it's eight weeks old. I didn't know until eight weeks ago. And I said, Jack, I'm so sorry. You know what he said? God is good. I've trusted him with every other part of my life. I'm going to trust him with my cancer. You know what he did? He smiled. Then he said, Josh, how are you? (laughs) Generous. It marks his life. Jack Kranz loves the word of God. And when life hurts, he still is marked by glad and generous spirit. You see, the only way to survive this life is when life cuts you to bleed God's word. When life cuts you, the only way to survive is to bleed God's word. You should have God's word so entrenched in who you are that those are the words that you run to. Those are the words that comfort you. Those are the promises that guide you. Those are the instructions that you follow. Those are the truths that you believe. Not the words of anybody else. Not the words of yourself. But the words of God should come out of you when life cuts you. When marriage is hard, when those teenage years are difficult, when there's anxiety present, when the the storm is raging, when you're not sure about your next step, the words of God should cut you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God loves me. He'll never leave me or forsake me. These words have to be the guide of my life. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, right? And a light unto my path. They are the nourishment that we plant our roots by and we, we grow our fruit in. So... Are you ready to be obsessed with God's word? Don't hear me today say, you need to do your devotions more. Don't hear that. Hear me say this, you need to be obsessed with God's word. It needs to be a regular part of your rhythm of life so that you can live and die by the word of God. So how do we do it? Well, there's lots of ways to be obsessed by God's word. Really practical, Bible preaching. You need to listen to God's word. You need to listen to God's word. That's why this is so important in your rhythm, and it's better in your local assembly. But P.S., there's lots of great preachers out there. You can listen to the word of God. Any t- get a podcast. Find a great biblically-based preacher and listen to him in your car. Like, I have, like, probably 
five go-to preachers that I'm regularly rotating and listening to on a regular basis in my life. I just love listening to the Word of God. It's just fantastic. It explains it. It, it. it brings it out. If you're struggling with a passage, find a great preacher that preached on it, right? It just helps. You need to memorize God's Word. We've got to remember it. I'm horrible. I'm horrible at memorizing God's Word. Horrible. Why? I'm dyslexic. I can't even remember how to spell yesterday. Literally, I can't spell the word yesterday. So how am I going to remember an entire chapter in the Bible? I've str- I struggle with this. You know how I memorize God's Word? Songs. Songs help me memorize God's word. I love singing the word of God. And so some of, the fa- my, some of my favorite songs are songs that just are repeating back scripture. Bible reading, right? Personally and with your family. Do you read it? Read the Bible. Read it through in a year. Ten minutes a day, you'll read the whole Bible in a year. There are podcasts that are literally ten-minute chunks of scripture. And if you listen to 10 minutes a day, you'll get through the whole Bible in a year. Read it. Just, just read it. That's a great place to start. Study it. Bible study is awesome. When you get together in your small group and you talk it out and you discuss it and you learn more about it, study that and, and get into it. Take a class or, or take an equip class or whatever, a Bible a class or a church, another church Bible study class and just study the Word. It's just a fantastic way to know God's Word better and use the tools. We've never, ever, ever, ever in history had so many amazing tools to understand God's Word right at our fingertips, right in our phones. And so I'm, I'm going to put up some resources for you so you can dive into God's Word. These are some of the ones that I use in my life and it helps me get, when I think about God's Word and I look at it and I do it, these are some places that I go. The most popular app ever created is the YouVersion Bible app. This app on your phone gives you access to the Word of God wherever you want it, whenever you want it. If you ever see me opening my Bible, opening my phone and reading my Bible, I am on this app. It also has devotion guides and classes and scriptures that you can go through. It's kind of like a mini social network for the Bible. And it's, it's fantastic. And if you don't have that, there are other great apps. This one just is by far the biggest. And it, it's, it's in, in, you know, one church provides this for free. One church provides this for free to everybody in the world. What a ministry is that? I like the, the Blue Letter Bible. It's one of many linguistic tools out there. I do my Greek and Hebrew study with this. It's, it's absolutely free. There's Lagos that has a, a paid memberships. But this helps you kind of like see like parallel Bibles and different passages and where the words are used in different ways and all kinds of that. So if you like that more in-depth study, you can use Blue Letter Bible. Net Bible is another uh, open Bible resource that's available for everyone out there that's doing some incredible things. The Bible Project is a series of videos on every book of the Bible. They're broken into 10, 15, 20-minute segments. They sum up the background of every book. So if you're struggling with the book of the Bible, go to the Bible Project, look up Deuteronomy, you'll get a short video on it. They're awesome, and they're putting new content out all the time. I personally use an ESV study Bible, so I like having a big, thick Bible in my hand. Uh, I have one of those that I carry with me, and it gives me study Bible notes um, and, and I use grasping God's word as a principle in my life. So if you need a book about how to study the Bible, get grasping God's word. I will do a quick class with this book at some point in the next year or so. Uh, we'll, we'll use this as a curriculum. And these things go together. What I like about the ESV study Bible is it's also available online. So the same Bible that you have the stack of, you also have an online version, a website that has the whole Bible there together. 
This is here because I believe in marking it up. Take notes, write stuff out, circle things, just invest in the Bible and get one that you don't mind inking up, right? So you want to tattoo that Bible like crazy. I had a grandmother who I loved desperately, who I sat next to, who I could not read full pages in her Bible because she messed it up with so many different markings. It was unbelievable to see her passion for the Word of God. And then if you're helping your little kids know the Bible, the Bible app, so the version kids, kids Story Bible, is fantastic. And they don't need to read yet. It's just pictures. They can interact with it. And they, they can be, they like this, you know they like the screens, right? Like they zombify to the screens. What a better thing to look at on their screens than the story of creation, the story of Joseph, the story of Noah, the story of Jesus. All written out, all done out digitally. And for those of you that might ask, how do I study the Bible? Well, I simply encourage you to take three steps. And the, the steps are this. Look, think, do. We go over this at least once a year at Branch Life, so I won't go into it now. But number one, look at it, look at it, read it, get your eyeballs on it. Number two, think about it. What does it say? Ask questions and get answers. So in the look phase, you're going to use your pens. In the think phase, you're going to write out questions and get answers. You're going to use some tools to help you figure out some meaning behind some text. Discover the truth. And number two, and number three, and this is super important, do it. In James, in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 22 through 25, write down that reference. It says, don't just be hearers of the word of God, but be doers also, lest you deceive yourselves. And if you sit and listen, if you read and write, and it doesn't change your day, it doesn't change your life, it doesn't change your heart, if it doesn't encourage your spirit, if it doesn't redirect you, if it doesn't counsel you, then you haven't finished. You've got to take the step to do it. You see, a church that's built to last must be full of Bible learners. Or, or better yet, maybe say Bible lovers. A church that's built to last must be full of Bible lovers. Not just knowing it in our head, but loving it with our spirit so that we can do it. So we can be an example of who God is. Listen, I am not who I say I am. I am who God says I want us to just reflect on that truth in these moments. I want to invite the worship team to come up. And after the worship team comes up, we're going to end our time with some prayers. Who am I 
and just continue playing through. I'm going to ask you guys to grab a seat. We want to end our service in the same couple of ways as we go through this devoted section of the scripture. We want to ask that God would direct our hearts to be devoted, to be obsessed with these things. Remember, it's not something that you muscle through. It's something the Spirit gives you to be devoted to the Word of God. And if we are a church that's devoted to the Word of God, it's going to be something that lasts so will we together pray this prayer? Would we pray the prayer asking God to help us to be devoted? Would we be devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship and the breaking bread and the prayers? I want you to pray that prayer now. Would you pray it quietly in your seat? Would you put your head together with your spouse or with your family or with the stranger next to you and pray this verse? Pray it, repeat it, put it in your own words, but literally pray this prayer over these next 30 seconds. God, give us this obsession with your word. Help 
us to know it, to love it, and to do it. As we continue in the spirit of prayer, let's pray one more prayer together. And it's, it's this prayer up on the screen. May God now add to our numbers day by day those who are being saved. Would you lean in again and pray that the result of our obsession will be people coming to know Jesus in our lives and in our church. Pray this together in the next 30 seconds. pray this over my fellow brothers and sisters here at Branch Life, that you would add to our number day by day those who are being saved. Lord, that you would use our words, that you would use our lives as a shining example, that it would be our friends and our neighbors, Lord, our co-workers, our family members, God, who would see Jesus in us and be drawn by the power of your spirit to accept him as your personal Savior. God, we pray these prayers. Hey, I hope that was helpful and you learned just a little bit more about what God says the church is. If you're ready to connect with Christ, we'd love to connect with you. You can go to branchlife.church and see the gospel explained. We talked about that in this message. We'd love for you to begin your journey with Christ. We'd also love to encourage you if you're joining us for the first time or if you've joined us for many of these episodes, you can let us know by filling out your connection card also at branchlife.church. Thanks again for joining us. Check out the next episode. And if this has been an encouragement with you, please share it with your friends. Have a great rest of your day.